always be thinking of your next question and not listening instead to of the response so that you can make yourself sound really stupid. That's active, the opposite of active listening, whatever That's that right. is. Welcome to the 20 Minute Podcast, a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church. We are a caring community reaching in friendship with Christ. Follow us on social media at King of Kings CR or visit us on the web at www.kingofkingscr.org. Well, here we are today. I am uh, once again with Rich Balvance, but our program today is going to take a little bit different of a format because... Rich, uh, I hope you're ready. We're going to put you on the hot seat today. I wondered why I didn't get an email about what we're talking about. That's right. You don't need, well, I was going to say you don't need to know, but you already know. In fact, you're the expert on today's topic because today's topic is you. Oh. And, well, maybe I should have brought in Jolene. I don't know. (laughs) She she would be more (laughs) honest about it, probably. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, come on now. Well, Rich, I thought it would be fun if we could spend a little bit of time today just really getting to know more about you and your background and where you started out and growing up and how you ended up here in the Cedar Rapids area, but more specifically as an associate pastor at King of Kings Lutheran Church. Yeah, wow. That's, I have to cover three years per minute. Uh, that's... <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep track. <laughs> okay. Well, I was born... In 1952, that's 1952. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes. (laughs) In uh, Eldora, Iowa, at the hospital there, which no longer is a hospital. Okay. But on uh, June 15th, which happened to be Father's Day that year, I was born on Father's Day. What a nice gift Uh, for your father. A Sunday morning. Well, it would have been if I had been in the shape I should have been. Uh But unfortunately, my mother had quite a difficult time in labor and delivery. And so I was a a very, very sick baby at birth, as my mother was also. Not a sick baby, but she was in bad shape. And as a result, our pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Eldora did his Sunday sermon and rushed over to the hospital and baptized me. Oh, wow. So I was baptized uh, the same day I was born. And as a result, it's always been one of my great opportunities to tell people that there's never been a time that I wasn't part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, you that's know, awesome. That, those few minutes in there. But sure, that it, yeah. You know, that's yeah. about it. So. Wow. Yeah, so I was born in Eldora, and my parents farmed, and uh, so I grew up on a farm. I have one brother who's a little more than three years younger than I, yeah. and he's a farmer. And so I did all the usual things that farm kids did, you know. Is, you, is that pretty much the entire area around there was farming? Oh, community yeah. And yeah. In our congregation growing up, I know probably at least 50% of the families were farm families. Yeah. And we lived on the east side of town of Eldora, not far from the Iowa River, beautiful area in the central part of the state. Wow. I had a very good childhood. Uh, my memories of it were mostly devoted to farm work. But I always enjoyed being out in the open, yeah, uh, out in the countryside, and uh, so that wasn't a, a bad thing. Were you one of those kids that was like driving a tractor or a truck before you were walking, that type of thing? Well, not, qu- not quite before <laughs> I was walking, but a lot sooner than I should have been. Yeah. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> right. But it was just one of those things that was natural at the time. Yeah, Kids, as soon as they were uh, heavy enough to hold down a tractor clutch, uh, would, <laughs> would drive and... Uh, 
do whatever they could on the farm. So what about school? Was there a public school or did your church have a school? Well, our church, strangely enough, for the size of it, did not have a school. And looking back today, I'm surprised by that because many other of the LCMS congregations around did have a school and they were not as big as we were. But for whatever reason, we did not have a school. So I went to the Eldora public schools. I went to the Eldora Elementary and the Eldora Junior High and the Eldora High School, was, which are all combined with other things. In <laughs> I was going to say, is that all the same school? or were they? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was that same one room. Yeah, they went from <laughs> element. No, it, it was actually a very nice uh, modern school, elementary school that Good. I went to. It was uh, almost brand new. It opened the year before I was in kindergarten. Okay, wow. So uh, it, was, it was very nice, very oh. modern. Wow. Yeah, indoor plumbing and everything. <laughs> wow, now that's surprising. Elect- electricity and indoor yeah, yeah, plumbing. Yeah, lights and running water. So wow. we, we were great. Okay, so when you were uh, going through school and you got to high school, in what ways were you involved in your church when you were growing up? Well, uh, growing up, we had a, a very large Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Our congregation at that time was somewhere over uh, 800 members, right around 800 members. And I was looking back at the, a friend of mine sent a copy of our worship bulletin from the day that I was confirmed back in 1966. And that day we had 356 kids in Sunday school. Wow. And it was huge. And that's probably, probably one of the reasons we didn't have a school. It was barely, it was just managing a Sunday school with yeah. that size was, was immense. No kidding. But I was involved. In Sunday school as a child and in our youth group and uh, sang in the choir and when I was in high school and, and all of those things that kids normally do when they're involved in it. Now, I got to ask you this, because this is something that the people listening to this probably don't know yet, but we know here, we often talk about our first vehicles, our first cars or trucks. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this. What was your first vehicle that you had that you drove? The first one that was mine. Yeah. The first one with mine was. Yeah, parents' cars don't count. That was a 1961 <laughs> Chevrolet Biscayne. And <laughs> the only thing about it that was unique was that there was a, a model of car out at that time that had what was called sort of a bubble or rear window. Okay. Yeah. And it was a two door hardtop and it was white and it had uh, three on the tree. <laughs> For a shift. So it was a clutch model, but it wasn't down on the floor the way all the guys would like to have them. It was up on the column. Three, okay. Three speed on the column. 283 cubic inch engine. Well, okay. Uh, um, <laughs> rubber floor mats, did not have carpet. That sounds it, like a good first car. <laughs> it was a good first car to yeah. trade in for something better. <laughs> right, right. You got to start somewhere. That's right, right yeah. Great. That's $500. Wow. No, yeah. that's not bad. Bought huh? it for $500. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you finished high school, then what happened? Went to college, yeah. uh, Iowa State University. I started out, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. Doesn't everyone? <laughs> um, but I went for one quarter. And decided that other people wanted me to be a veterinarian more than I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I changed to journalism. And in fact, they had a a curriculum for agricultural journalism and actually got a degree in that. But my real area of interest, overwhelming interest, was in economics. Hmm. So uh, I have more education in economics than in journalism. Okay. But my degree is in journalism. So that was my uh, college story. Graduated in 1974. In between those times, that's when 
Jolene and I got married. We got married just a few months before I graduated. Sure. And then I took my first job. Were you and Jolene from the same area, the same Yeah, hometown? we were okay. high school sweethearts. That's, okay. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, her locker was right next to mine. Almost. I think there was one in between. She was at the end of the alphabet in her class, and I was toward the beginning of the alphabet in my class, and the lockers were assigned in alphabetical ah, order. Okay. Based on classes. So, okay. Yeah, based on classes. So she was one year behind me, Okay. and so our lockers were just almost right yeah. next to each other. Yeah, you were the cool older guy. Yeah, I, All right. that's right. So we got to meet each other every day okay. at our lockers. Wow. And it just developed from there. <laughs> and you never looked back. Okay. Never looked back. <laughs> never did. She she will confess this to be the truth as well. We never dated any other people. Really? Okay. We never did. Wow. And that's so that's been what 40 Whoa, <laughs> 47 years, you're, I think, something like the, that. You're the numbers guy yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it won't be too long, and we'll have a 50th anniversary. Wow. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So you, you finished college. You yep. had your degree in journalism with uh, economic focus yep. and that sort of thing. And in the meantime, I had done a number of different internships in both print and broadcast, and I decided that my area of interest was in broadcasting. So... I became a farm agricultural reporter, commodities reporter, for a radio station in Nebraska for a few years. And then I got an offer from WMT uh, Radio in Cedar Rapids in 1978. And uh, we moved back to Iowa, and uh, I was at the radio station in town in Cedar Rapids for 21 years. Wow. 21 years. Yeah. I bet you saw a lot change during that time in the broadcasting Oh, lots. It was the amount of change that took place that caused me to decide to get out of it. Really? Because I didn't like the direction that the industry was going in terms of consolidation and loss of local control and Mm. and those things. And so in 1999, I quit radio and I started a commodities brokerage business. Wow. Well, I'm going to ask you this. Before you move on to the commodities brokerage business... What's like the single most interesting standout radio broadcasting moment you had? Because you have told me about at least a couple of different people who you've interviewed uh, that were pretty surprising to me. So, Well, there's always the big names, the politicians and that sort of thing. But probably one of the most enjoyable interviews that I ever conducted was with Charles Schultz. I knew you were going to say Yeah, who yeah. was the creator of the Peanuts comic strip. And he was just a very enjoyable guy. He was a, a Lutheran uh, individual from the Twin Cities. Okay. And uh, even though his business was in California, he lived uh, most of the time in, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. The reason I had contacted him for an interview was that he was producing a strip. His Sunday comic strip was featuring at that time Snoopy the dog. And Snoopy was trying to figure out the best way to make money. <laughs> and so he was going to invest in soybean futures. Well, me being a commodities reporter, I right. just had to find out what led Charles Schultz to have Snoopy invest in soybean futures. <laughs> well, yeah. that's partly because Schultz was familiar with it to begin with, Okay, yeah. being in the Midwest. And he was one of those kind – it was almost sort of the Mr. Rogers of cartoonists in his personality and uh, just really enjoyed that. Wow. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. I don't think I have any like run-ins with famous people like that or well-known people like that, but that's 
Well, famous isn't necessarily memorable. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. You know, an associate of mine always said that of all the people that he had interviewed over the years, his by far uh, most memorable and most enjoyable was Red Skelton. Oh, okay. Which was a number of years ago, obviously. But again, it, it means... I do know who that is. Yeah, well, good. good. Barely, barely. And uh, so uh, <laughs> famous isn't always most memorable. Yeah, right. You know, so. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're about, I don't know, 10, almost 15 minutes into your life story, and we're not to the part where you become a pastor at King of Kings yet. <laughs> well, I, 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 it moves pretty quickly from here on. Okay. <laughs> uh, in 1999, I started a, a commodities brokerage business. We had offices in several different places, and we were blessed during that time. And the year I turned 60 years old, I was considering whether or not to continue in that business or do something different. Sure. And uh, Pastor Mark Halverson here at King of Kings suggested that if I was considering something different, why don't I look at ministry? Yeah. What had you been involved in in terms of church up to that point? Well, I had most of my life been uh, very active in the congregations where we were members and almost exclusively in boards of elders. Okay. So I had a good view, I think, a very realistic vision of what church life is like, both on the surface and underneath. Yeah. And there is an underneath side to church work, just like <laughs> just any like any place, yeah. just like any place. Yeah. And so it didn't frighten me; it didn't uh, scare me off in any way. And the, the other thing was that going clear back to my early teens, I had entertained off and on the potential of entering ministry. And for one reason or another, timing wasn't right. My attitude wasn't right. Who knows? Yeah. I always put it off. And this time, the timing was right. Uh, I won't have as many years, probably, to take part in this particular calling, but it has been absolutely incredible, and I I just enjoy it very much. Yeah. Had there been anybody earlier in your life as a a younger person that influenced you into considering ministry? I would say that, for the most part, the most influential person was my first pastor— uh, John Zimmerman. And he and I did not have a what you'd call a close relationship in any way. It was a pastor-youth relationship. Sure. But I always admired the way he served the congregation and uh, the attitude toward ministry that he had, which was not extreme in any direction. It was always very down-the-middle, loving type of approach without being carried away in any in any way. And to me, he showed a good example there of how to approach ministry. I would say he is the overall primary influence that I, that I had. It sounds like it was quite the process to have those thoughts or kind of that nudging along the way. Well, you, you know, as I said, I considered it when I was a teenager. I thought about it when I was in my early years in radio. I, I considered it at my midlife crisis point, many of us go through. And never was it the right time at those times, but it was the right time when I finally did. So, and I praise God for not allowing me to do something at the wrong time. Sure. But grabbing a hold of me at the correct time. Yeah. So when you had decided to become a pastor here, or when Pastor Halverson <laughs> kind of laid it out there on a platter for yeah. you, right? Yeah. Uh, what was that process like to go through and be? Ordained. Well, it was interesting because I went through a particular program 
it's called the SMP program, Specific Ministry Program. But uh, I look at it as being especially targeted toward individuals who are may or may not live through the process. You know, <laughs> because, is that how they market it? That's ter- terrible marketing. Yeah, that's probably not. But you know, it, for for people like myself who are near the end of their working careers, it gave us an opportunity to become involved in ministry from the outset while still doing our preparatory work. And uh, that was a great blessing. And so I've been involved with the congregation since I began my studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've had that opportunity to kind of uh, grow into it. This is the only congregation I'll ever serve. I mean, I'm not even eligible to uh, to go anywhere You're else. They're stuck so here. They are stuck with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the nice things about it is that it gives us the opportunity. I feel so blessed by it because uh, we'd been members here for 20-some years, and I knew everybody. Yeah. And yet they called me anyway. You know? <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, for some, they still called you. For some unknown reason, yeah. they said, yeah, we'll take him. <laughs> and and uh, so here I am. Yeah. It, uh, it has been a blessing to get to know you and uh, to be in ministry with you. So I have one last question for okay. you. All right. What brings you the most joy in ministry? Oh, man. I know. Yeah, that's hard. I think many pastors will say the same thing. Baptizing a baby is, as far as a moment is probably the, and it's not even just a baby, not a, not just a child, but baptism of an individual. Sure. Taking part in that and bringing the power of God's spirit and word to an individual to bring them to faith in Jesus and to have the opportunity to be God's tool in that mm-hmm. is probably the most overwhelming joy that can come. The other one, and I've had to do this several times already, is to lay to rest the earthly remains of a believer. Mm-hmm. So from start to finish, yeah, from the earliest moment of faith to the end of life as we currently understand it, those two things just are extremely mm. joyful. Yeah, It's hard in some cases, but the joy is great. Well, that's a great place, I think, to stop and to put a period at the end of the sentence or book, or paragraph, or whatever that was. Well, that's fine. I was getting Encyclopedia. Thir- I was getting thirsty anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, thanks for sharing about you. Sure. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? No, it surprised <laughs> me, though. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich.